Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the What's Holding You Back January Writing Challenge edition of the 7am Novelist. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Now this month, we are live talking about everything that might hold a writer back from producing the work they want to write and how they can overcome those roadblocks. Today, we get to hear from three wonderful writers and friends, Casey LeBlanc, Shalene Gupta, and Sarah Shukla. Good morning. Thank you so much for being on the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're slow this morning. <laughs> I got these three up though. Like, what are we doing? And I just, I know some of you aren't watching live, but if you are, Sarah is donning a robber outfit that we are very proud of. So she looks like a bank robber, and her sweatshirt also says "Hi, neighbor" with an exclamation exclamation point. So we, Sarah, is like right in the vibe of the show, like she's right you're there. Busy morning. Sh- Shalene, you look like you're drinking a giant beer. Just want to tell you that. <laughs> so Shalene Gupta is a Boston area writer. She's the author of The Cycle, which is coming out this spring. The Cycle is a book about confronting the pain of periods and PMDD. And I'm going to be with her at Grub Street when she launches that in February, end of February yeah. for that. So look for announcements about that. Uh, Casey LeBlanc is a graduate of Grub Street's Novel Incubator Program, a contributor of Writer Unboxed, and the author of Flyboy, his debut YA novel, which will be published by HarperCollins, upcoming in May. So look for that as well. And Sarah Strickland is the editor of Cognoscetti, WBUR's Ideas and Opinions page. She's also a graduate of Grub Street's Novel Incubator. Her novel, Pink Whales, is then publishing in June 2024. Um, so, okay, we've got... February, we've got May, and we've got June with you guys. And and so you're all upcoming, getting your books published, and you're probably all, Casey told me he was having a, a had a nightmare about his book launch. So that's, you know, right in, <laughs> right what happens when you're about ready to launch your book. Um, I can't still take, yeah, I can still take uh, questions from folks, but time is running out. Um, so you can still submit your questions at 7amnovelist.substack.com. You can submit it in written form or you can submit them in audio form. I really love the audio form if you can do that. I will use your first name if you submit them. If I haven't gotten to your question yet, um, there's one question in particular about uh, writing a series. And I'm, I'm waiting on that until we have Hank Philippi Ryan on the show because she's just a series queen. And I think she can answer that best. Um, we also have started a Facebook page, so look for that. Um, I will put the link for that in the podcast notes, and we've already got tons of people on the Facebook page um, ready to join that writing community. And if you share some of the similar issues that um, our writers who we're talking about today are talking about, feel free to echo what they're saying. Feel free to also offer your own advice, and we have kind of a hive mind of thinking about this stuff. Okay, here we go. Uh, the first uh, question was submitted by Amy, and she submitted it to me in writing. She says, I am on draft five of a 90,000-word upmarket fiction manuscript I began in November 2021. While I say draft five, that is a full draft all the way through, not counting on the multiple revisions of certain sections and scenes and paragraphs, etc. I hired a developmental ed- editor after draft four which was a great investment. Uh, She saw issues that I was too close to the work to see. She also told me that these were entirely fixable, the icing on the cake, and once addressed, the novel would be fully baked. 
that as I approached revision on the final five chapters in the impending day when I will declare myself done, I find myself wondering, is it fully baked? Do I risk an overdone cake if I keep tinkering with it? My writing group partners who have been through two drafts of the novel gave a resounding no when I suggested I have another set of beta readers, even hire the editor again to read it. Uh, so what is holding me back is how to know when I am well and truly done. I know it's a hard question to answer and highly individual, but maybe your author guests have suggestions on how to walk away, in this case, send it away to begin querying agents. This is a really, really common question. Um, Casey, what do you think? Yeah, um, so thank you so much for submitting that question. Um, I was definitely thinking about it um, all last night after Michelle sent us the, the preview of what we were gonna be answering. Um, I think there's a few things here. First of all, congrats on having done all those drafts. Um, I know very much what that's like. Um, some good news is that done is in writing a novel and trying to get it published is such an interesting word um because there's going to be so many versions of done and i promise you the one for when you're querying is very far from the last done that you'll have with this book um especially if you get an agent if you get a book deal um there's going to be the the done to you know begin querying there could even be you know in the process, you you figure something out or the responses you're getting or sometimes not getting, you know, make you go back to it, um, you know, again, and then there's another done before you do another round um, and you get the agent and, and maybe you do some revisions with the agent before you go on submission to editors. And then there's the done to go out on submission and then you, you get the book deal and you're with your editor and they're editors for a reason, in part because you're going to do some more editing. And so you're going to have probably a few rounds of that. And then it's going to be done enough to go to copy edits. And then you think you're done, but but <laughs> you're not. They're going to send that back to you again a few times. Um, and so I, I may have just, for myself, finished the actual done, but but I'm not even entirely sure about that uh, at this point. And I sold the book, you know, two years ago. So some good news is that you don't have to feel like you're letting go of this book forever yet. You're not. Um, in terms of whether it's ready, you know, I would say from what you're saying, it it sounds like it might be. Um, it sounds like the thing that's holding you back is like the more existential fear of being done and not like a sense that there's a particular part of the book or thing that just doesn't feel ready, like the pacing or I'm just not yet satisfied with this one thing. And you have these trusted writer friends who are telling you to go for it and this editor who gave you great advice. So it sounds to me like you might just be about there and you just got to do it. But that's what I think. So yeah, curious to hear what my fellow panelists say. All right, Sarah, bank robber, high neighbor, sweatshirt. <laughs> what do you think? I have a lot, lot to do this morning. <laughs> happening. Yeah. Greeting people. She's got kids, so we forgive her everything. I do. Yes, there's, um, and including maybe one of them popping in the door, but hopefully not, um, not today. Okay. Uh, I think... The thing I, my first thought when I read this was like, you don't have to do it all at once. I think you don't, the, the danger is sort of thinking that you have to be ready to be done and then you query and that's it. And really just like everything with writing, especially writing a novel that is just this like shape-shifting amorphous um, thing that can drive you crazy or make you happy either way or both. Um, 
is that you can go out and query a few agents and then pull back and make some changes and then do it again. And that's what I did. I think I did it over years. I mean, I, I've blocked a lot of it out, I think, for my own self-preservation, but I was trying to break down that wall and go back and, and remember it. But um, I mean, I, re I was thinking about re revising even, and I think an incubator um, I think my novel was in third person. I think I started it in first and then was like, this feels too, like I'm running too much about myself. So to create distance, as I tried to draft it, I went to third person. And then when I went to query, I was like, ew, this isn't really working. I'm going to do it in first. So I like did it all again in first. And then I queried. And then I think that didn't work the first time. Then I think I took, this was all during the pandemic years too. So everything was a disaster. And so I think I took a year and then queried again. And so I would just collect sort of list of agents from friends or ones that look like good fits for me, try them. Some of them I even tried again. I even approached again and said, like, I did a major revision. Do you want to look again? So I think the thing is just um, trying to let some of that pressure off of it being this like all or nothing game and being able to just like, you know, go and pull back, go and pull back and just kind of um, take that feedback along the way. Yeah. In our chat, I, I, Gloviana, I love, because Gloviana, most of the questions we have, she says, ask your characters. <laughs> and I love that because I actually think, I do think that's really good advice. Like, ask your characters. Are we done? Or ask your characters. Do they have more to tell me? Ask your characters. So I just, and I love that for for Gloviana that the, the characters are so alive in that way and can like talk back. I think I think that's excellent. So I just wanted to, to add that. I love that. Shaleen, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, listen to what Casey and Sarah are saying um, that absolutely, absolutely agree with everything they're saying. That makes complete sense. Um, the second thing is, you know, it may not be some, a bad thing to keep some juice in the hopper rather than burning out completely on your novel before going out to agents even because my book changed enormously. And when I started querying, I actually got a lot of feedback on the marketability and I had to do an entire rehaul of the plot. So there's a way in which I feel like it actually makes that like if you if your writing group and the people around you don't have any more plot feedback for you, it is time to just kind of dip your toes in, see how it does with agents. Because if there's some element that because frequently writing groups um, don't necessarily know the market and the market is weird. It is just really weird. Um, and you want to be sure that you're you kind of fit there because um, I I hit that wall and I hit that wall hard. Uh, I would recommend Manuscript Academy. That's a great service where you can just send in some of your pages and pay, and an agent will give you feedback on how marketable that that mm -hmm. is. So that might be a good sort of halfway measure before you start querying. Great. And Shaleen, you're you you I think you said before we started that you're about ready. You're they're about ready to send your book out. Um, your agent is ready to send your book out to editors. So that's that's um, it. Do so you feel? I yeah. Do you this. feel done? Um, I always feel done. My book has gone through over two hundred drafts. I kind of want a divorce. Um, but don't be me, like. Don't get to the point where you look at your book and you're like, we have said all there is to say, you know, you want to keep some of that freshness and that, that hope. And if there are any editors listening out here, I love that book and I will revise until kingdom come. 
<laughs> absolutely absolutely she's a shillings of workhorse but yeah no you you hit that point so many times where you just want to kill it um i you know i echo i'd like to echo what sarah said um and you know try to send it out to maybe i don't know five agents query about five agents um they probably shouldn't be agents that are your top top picks um uh, but maybe like one tier below um, and, uh, just because those might be the agents where you kind of burn, burn your bridges a, a tad, um, because you're sending out, um, a query that, you know, might not be ready. If, if, um, if all five, uh, get back to you and they have the same issue with the book, then that's something that you need to consider and do something about, like Shalene said about in terms of marketability. Um, if now the problem these days is that maybe none of them will get back to you <laughs> so that because that's what agents do these days uh so you might just make sure that your query is doing the work it needs to be doing that it's really um selling the best part of your book that it can really stand out um amidst ten thousand other queries um, so you might really have to do some heavy work on your query to make sure it's doing its job. But I would go, I would go ahead and, and see, um, how many bytes that you can get, uh, preferably from, uh, whatever agents are, are not your, your favorite best hits agents on your list. Um, you could always go back. If they get excited, you can always go back and say, and, and submit it to your your uh, top agents at the last minute if, if you are offered uh, representation. Um, and, and that can just give you some idea if, uh, if it's ready for the agents. And then, so I always tell people, you're, you're gonna try to make, you're gonna make the, your book perfect, and then you're gonna send it to agents and then you'll change it um, because it's not perfect in the way they think it's, it's perfect. And then they, you're gonna make it perfect with them and then your editor will buy it and, and you will make changes again with your editor because it's not perfect in the way your editor wants it. Um, and then you will go through several rounds, probably with both uh, groups of people, your agent and editor. Um, you know, the awful thing is even after it's published, it's, it's there's going to be like, oh, I wish that scene was there. Oh, I should have done this scene. So even after it's published, it's not always going to be done. It's just a novels are broken thing. They just are. Casey. Yeah, I just wanted to briefly add to that, um, just about, you know, querying, especially like that first round and, you know, you're looking for some feedback from a few people. Um, I would really recommend using Query Tracker, um, especially if you can do like the paid version. I found it for me very helpful to see. You can kind of get a sense from that which agents, you know, kind of their approximate timeline mm -hmm. from responding to people if they seem to be one who you know, if, if they don't give you a, a yes or a request, they'll ghost versus the ones who seem to always give responses no matter what. Um, and that can just be helpful because it, it can be such a long wait. And if you're just trying to dip your toes in for a few people and, you know, all five of them or whatever you choose are ones who might never respond to you, you can feel like you're waiting forever before you make a next step. Um, so that was really helpful for me to Kind of just get a sense of like, okay, this person's going to respond no matter what, even if it's a rejection. Um, so mm -hmm. I would recommend that. Yeah, yeah. And then Elaine in the in the chat suggested something that I never would have thought of, though. All of the AI stuff freaks me out. So Elaine says, if you want comps for pitching, um, chat G GPT is wonderful for this one thing. 
Um, and it can, it can give you ideas for comps. Um, I don't trust any of this stuff, so that's news to me. Um, but I'm also an old woman when it comes to AI stuff. Um, if, they, if the chat GPT does give you suggestions, I would then look them up and make sure that those suggestions would work. But otherwise, if they, if they give you great suggestions, I think that's wonderful. Um, bookstore uh, employees can also, are there also great resources for getting uh, comps right? You need to get really good comps because, and you normally list comps at the top of the query letter because that kind of helps the agent categorize and get some idea of what the book is about or what kind of reader would like that kind of book. And it just helps to narrow things in their minds because otherwise they're dealing with so many queries, just hundreds and hundreds of books. And it's just, it's just hard. They just, they just need that, that easy category to narrow down. Um, if your comps aren't quite the right fit and there's a there's a, a misfit between your comps and then your summary of your book in your query letter, um, I would work to fix that then, too, because that's just going to confuse an agent and might be the reason why um, the agent might um, uh, uh, turn you down. OK. Um, so um, here's this next one. The question is from Allison. I've been writing for years and I understand that it'll likely take years more of me honing my craft and my skill set as a writer before I potentially see any publishing success. And I often get so overwhelmed by that truth that it paralyzes me and gets in the way of me working on my projects, especially because there is a thought in the back of my mind of specific people in my life, loved ones that I would love to share that success with, and they may not have that time. So I'm curious to know if you have any advice. Um, obviously, I ultimately do write for myself, but there are people I would love to share uh, these successes with. So how do you not overthink the time that it may take and persevere anyway? Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I am going to run a bonus episode tomorrow with Kathy Elsick, and she talks about a lot about really focusing instead of focusing on like the full book or the full the the full idea of getting published, all that stuff. Focusing on the smaller things that you can control um, and focusing on the process. And I've done that too. Like even you know I I run long distances, but even there's days when I'm so tired and all I think is one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Like every step is the thing to think about. Um, but this question really um, hit me. And the thing is, so a lot of you probably know that the, one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons why I started this whole 7 a.m. novelist thing is that my mother uh, died two years ago and I was able to self-publish her book before she died. But I wish I'd done it earlier. I wish I'd helped her with it earlier before she was in, before she became so ill and so that she could have enjoyed it more. Um, and she was waiting for me to get my third novel out and she would ask me about it and ask, you know, you know, what, what's happening with that book? What's, and it was, it was really heart wrenching. Um, I mean, basically I was trying to, I tell people, this is my excuse. I tell people I was trying to sell a book about death. It was really about a, uh, a, a person that was known as the mother of forensics. But I tell people I was trying to sell a book about death right during March 2020 of the pandemic. So not a really great sales time for that particular book. So that's my that's my excuse. But I never 
I never got that out for her, you know? Um, and, and I, I, I still think about it, you know, and I, I don't, I don't particularly like to talk about it. It is, it is a huge disappointment. Um, but that would have been my third book. And, and so I think, you know, you'll get one book out, the next book out, all of this, and then and they'll still be waiting and they'll still be eager for the next thing that you're going to do. And they'll, and they'll be champions for you no matter what. And they'll love what you're doing. Um, no matter what, you know, I just think we like with my students, I don't have kids. So I sometimes treat my students as kids, whether they like it or not. I get so excited when they publish their books. Um, but I would hate to be putting that pressure on them as well. So just hoping that, you know, that they know that the excitement is about what is happening and not, not about what is not happening. Um, Casey, what do you think? Did this hit home for you at all? Um, I think that of, you know, on, for me, you know, among say some of the, you know, Incubi, you know, group who I'm called dear friends at this point, I, I am on the younger side. And so perhaps some of these, these fears haven't hit home quite yet, but I was really thinking about this question. Um, and I think that, you know, I was thinking about it because so, so with, you know, with books, like obviously, you know, the we're all aiming, you know, for the the publication for that, like that, that book on the shelves, the, the event you can hold and invite everyone to. Um, and for me now, I'm apparently starting to have nightmares about. Um, but I do think, you know, along the way, not just like focus on the little goals so you can keep going towards that, but also, you know, the people that you're thinking about who you most want to share these successes with. I imagine that these people you know, are very near and dear to you and are people who love you and are proud of you now and along the way and, and don't feel like the only thing you can share of this process with them is the end result once it's been published. Um, you know, if 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 there's somebody who you really want to be able to experience your story, right? Like maybe there's somebody who would love to read parts of it you know, along the way. And that doesn't have to mean the most rough draft, but I think of, of my dad, for instance, you know, who's just always been one of my biggest fans. And, you know, there are certain drafts I would never share with him. He's not a writer and, you know, it's he doesn't always understand the whole process, but he has read a couple of drafts of my book now and, you know, and so proud of me, loves him so much and is going to read the, you know, the final one when it comes out in May. Um, you know, and there might be, people, especially if, if they're not writers, or even if they are, they can, they can empathize in other ways too, but, you know, they don't quite understand the process, right? And so you can share little successes, right? If you, you finish a draft or something you're really proud of, or you've signed up for a writing class, um, or you've, you know, gotten some great feedback, you know, like have conversations with them, right? Like include them in that, like share those successes as well. Um, and I don't think you'll regret like spending that time with them and like having those conversations and sharing your work along the way. And and then, you know, hopefully they are still there when, when you get to the, the big finish line, but, but if they're not, I hope that that will provide some consolation that they were really with you in the process and really felt connected to it along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Say, so what do you think? Oh, I love that. I love everything Casey just said. I just love Casey in general, yeah. but um... I think, I think all that's so true. I think like we did the novel incubator the year before the pandemic. Right. And so my parents came over a bunch, I had 
three little kids that they're still pretty little, but they were like little, little at the time. So I remember spending weekends writing and they'd come over and I'd go to this like co-writing space in Providence and just like hole away. And, um, and I had so much appreciation and not guilt, but just like, oh my gosh, like pressure, not pressure isn't the right word either, but you know, you just feel like I'm asking this support of these people and I want to show them the product that I'm producing after all that, all of their support and belief in me and all that. Um, So then the pandemic happened and we were all scared of the world ending and whatever. And I was like, oh God, I need to show my parents, like, I'm going to show them what I produced. Right. So the thing is, um, <laughs> when when you take the Navel Incubator with Michelle, she says, you know, if you get stuck, just push it a little farther than you think you should. Like, just make your characters go a little crazy. You're like, write this scene a little louder. And then you can always pull back on it. So like, I had some, <laughs> some scenes in there where like characters went maybe farther than, um, they do now. We've, we've pulled back on some of that in the edits. So my dad, so my parents read it and my mom, I sent them like the um, Microsoft Word on the Kindle, you know, like I showed them how to pull it up on their Kindle in like the middle of the pandemic when I couldn't see them very much. My mom was like, I loved it. She loves everything. <laughs> my dad was like, I liked it, but there were some dirty parts. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I was, I died then I came back to but um, that was so that's my funny story that sometimes uh and, and it's fine like I'll show him I'm looking forward to showing him the final version and being like see look look how much I improved like it's good now but um so I think I, I just so I echo a lot of what Casey said not that I wouldn't have done that again I think it's hilarious um but I really think so much of it is about the process and about the people in your life supporting you and seeing you like live your passion and and seeing you do what, have this belief in yourself and kind of take the steps toward it. Um, and so I think that's, you know, it's all the audience thing is, is weird, you know, as all of us are on the precipice of publishing the audience thing, like you get there and you freak out. Like I want to hide under a table most days and say like, no, 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 it's okay. We don't have to do this. Like we don't have to actually put it out there guys. Um, so I think like as, as much as you can just enjoy the process as cheesy as that sounds and, um, and enjoy people's support and belief in in like in you along the way yeah Shalene first of all Allison I just want to thank you for asking that question I just like want to give you a big hug like virtually because I felt that one in my bones and Michelle thank you so much for for sharing that story which is so vulnerable and hard to talk to and I think this is why Michelle is our mama llama right she like she puts her heart out there on the table and so that so that we can learn from her and obviously always listen to Casey and Sarah. They they know what they're doing. Um, so I haven't had this quite, you know, the same exact situation, but I made a lot of choices in my my career um, to, to scale back so that I would have time to write. And I'm one of those A-type people who, who wants the little gold stars on my resume and wanted the little A's on my report card as a student. And so it ended up being like, I wanted all of that success to come from my novel. And it just wasn't happening because writing is slow, it's painful, it's competitive. There were a lot of lessons learned. And eventually I just realized I had to do whatever I could to decouple my writing um, from any other external pressures. So if there was anything else in my life going on, like I was feeling stuck in a job, I went and got a different job because it became very clear that the novel would take the time that it took and it would also be a little bit I, I like to say that selling books is like winning a lottery ticket you know like winning the lotto it, it happens um 
but no one knows why. And it's, I have friends who have amazing books, haven't sold. I truly don't know why, or like, it's something about the market and it's, it's just, it's stupid. Like, it's just stupid. Um, and then Twilight got published. So, you know, um, so that, which I've only read 60 pages of it. So, but I love you, Shalini. Uh, so, you know, whatever you can do to, to have the successes as Casey said and Sarah said and share that, because the other thing is there's no finite success. Like I sold my book. It felt amazing. It was a book no one thought was going to sell. So I had that moment of like almost passing out. But then there was this anxiety of like, what happened to the contract? It took a long time. So what felt like it should have been a success was like, are we just having a mass hallucination? Um, after that, you know, um, a key member of the editing team quit. And so there was that, there was this existential dread of like, how is this going to hold up my book? What's going to happen there? Um, it's, it's a tough journey. And in some ways it's, it's also like, I had thought after selling all of my problems would be solved. Um, the nightmare, the nightmares have just gotten worse and I hadn't known that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't fix your problems, Casey. I was also thinking too, all of, you know, Shaleen and Sarah and Michelle, like just such great advice. But um, I was also thinking, you know, I, I don't know if you're somebody who has, you know, people in your life, perhaps younger, um, who may now or in the future look to you in the way that you are looking towards these other people in your life. But I think too, sometimes it's helpful to think like about those people, right? And like, if they were in that situation, right, that you're like, a parent or a mentor or somebody who who they really admire and they're worried about, you know, that they really want to make you proud by finishing or getting or accomplishing something in particular and they're feeling that internal, even if you didn't put it on them, even if you never would, like they're feeling that internal like stress of needing to like get there to like prove something or show something, right? Like what would you want them to do? You know, like what, like I bet you'd be happy like to just be part of it with them or to like, for them to like open up to you, whatever it is, you know, sometimes I think flipping it on its head and thinking like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine, you know, if, if, you know, my child or this person was, was, was feeling that pressure, like, of course, like I would love to, to see that thing happen for them and be there with them. But like, I just really want them to know like how proud I am of them now. And like, I just want to like hear whatever it is that's going on. And I think sometimes, you know, maybe that might help alleviate a little bit of, of that, pressure to realize that like of course like that's just how people who like care about each other are right um we put these things on ourselves sometimes a little too hard um so I yeah. just wanted to add that and it's easy to put them onto concrete things um versus just you know when when we think about our loved ones and whether they're they're happy or not or whether things are going well for them or not um, or whether we can prove that about ourselves, we put those ideas onto concrete things, but those concrete things are, are, are rather meaningless, actually, in and of themselves when it comes to the people that we love. So it can, a book, that idea of publishing a book or finishing a book can kind of be a stand in and a false stand in for something that's much deeper that people feel proud of you anyway, um, and what you're doing anyway. Um, I also wanted to, uh, normally I do tell people, when they ask me how much time 
I normally say it takes about 10 years to break through in a writing career. It takes about 10 years. And I even tell that to, I've told that to people. I told that, I, I remember specifically, I told that to a 77 year old person that was consulting with me, um, an older man. And, and I was, and then I was like, I felt like, I'm sorry, I felt like shit, sorry for his word, but I was like, how do I tell that to a 77 year old? That's insane. Um, however, that particular 77 year old was Oliver Folks, and he did publish his book um, in 2021. So I put, I'm putting this in the chat so you guys can see it. He was a civil rights lawyer in the South and he was there when uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated and then they started having all sorts of, um, protests in the streets. And then there was a huge shutdown against the protests in Memphis and he was right there in the midst of it and knew everything that was going on. So his book is A Moment in Memphis, A Reluctant Southern White Boy Becomes a Civil Rights Lawyer um, and Goes North. Um, so it's, it's, it's such an interesting story and he did get the book out with a university press. Um, and so that was just so fun to see because it meant that by telling him that <laughs> meant that he just kept going, <laughs> which I'm hoping that most people do. Um, can you just keep going? Can you just um, get keep getting one foot in front of the other? And yes, someone in the chat said he was probably 40 years old in his mind. Probably. I mean, aren't we all still 30, 40? I don't know. I don't know how old I am. All right. Um, we're going to have to finish up, everyone. Now, you can find everything we're up to on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Subscribe there for updates. You can also find our full range of podcast episodes on that page including episodes from our past two writing challenges, as well as on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so we can find other listeners. Okay. Um, I always throw like the biggest question bomb to my panelists at the end. So Casey, do you have any final words about breaking through writing obstacles? You know, my words today are honestly listen to these podcasts and not because like I'm giving great advice, but because like every time I come on, like I wake up at this God awful hour in the morning to be on this podcast because like, I love and trust Michelle so much. And then I come away from it, like listening to my fellow panelists, like just feeling so inspired. And I feel like I've been particularly like stuck on writing things, you know, recently. And I, I honestly come out of it being like, I'm so glad I got up at this awful hour and now I just want to go right. So I think just keep listening to this podcast, honestly, and anything Michelle does. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And I today. didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay him to say that. So that's really nice. Uh, she did not. I did not. Sarah. Sarah a bank robber. And the reason why we can call Sarah a bank robber is because she's so not a bank robber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could use the money though. Couldn't we all? Yeah. Um couldn't all of us writers use uh, anyway? Um, I think keep a sense of humor. I will say that. Um, and I think just keep showing up. I think that's the answer I gave last time, but it just, I think that's all I got is like every question is about like, when do I know this? How do I know this? And it's just everything is an unknown. You can't control any of it. You can't control like what happens when you query, what happens when you try to publish but you can have good people around you that make you want to keep going. And so if the writing makes you happy, just keep being around people who make you want to keep showing up to that. And um, it's the friends we make along the way. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And Shaleen? 
to keep going. I had a speech coach in high school who would tell me the difference between the people who go on to be champions um, and the ones who, who don't get the wins are simply the ones who, after a bad day, keep getting up. And that's the only difference. It's not about talent. And yeah. so much of this journey is just about falling down and then you get up again. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Aren't they see I get to work with these genius people. <laughs> and they all make me look good. Okay, thank you all for yes, getting up at this god awful hour. And thank you everyone else for being with us. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you're able to get to your writing desk now. It's gotten some inspiration. Good luck and good writing. There isn't nothing here at all.